it takes hard work to become the greatest of all time for you to become one of the goats of the hard court you'll need a drink backed by real science to recover after every tough game that's why most goats drink milk low-fat chocolate milk it tastes great and has the right mix of protein and carbs scientifically proven to refuel exhausted muscles get real results and a great recovery with chocolate milk learn more at builtwithchocolatemilk.com well it really was a mistake to have ethan on last week for time to panic because now perhaps it is time to panic for the golden state warriors Draymond green suspended sadly we recorded yesterday right before that news came down we were at oracle last night for some somber press conferences in particular from kd who did little to dispel the notion that it may be time to panic and that his relationship with draymond has uh, really deteriorated and the rumors of course if you listen to this show you probably have heard a lot already but is that essentially draymond in addition to a number of choice words for kd also lit into him about his free agency and not being invested in the team and supposedly it got to the point where jackie mcmullen reported today on the hoop collective pod that all the players actually believed that green needed to be suspended as well and i mean i I don't want to spend too much time on this because frankly like we're a little late to this in the news cycle there's great articles there's great podcasts about it ethan's podcast this morning was awesome uh marcus thompson's article at the athletic theathletic.com slash cat space is a must read including a, a quote that an unnamed warrior said basically like kd is gone and you know the warriors hope to make the argument that they stood up for him against draymond when uh the time comes so uh, other than that you know just a rehashing uh, of the facts is there anything that you pops out to you that you know you haven't really heard talked about that much yet not a ton i mean i think my general take on this is that it won't really affect the team much this year unless it boils into something else at this current iteration these guys are are talented i think they can coexist exist long enough for the season and so really we'll see if this matters more in in july there is a chance you know it doesn't the thresholds are always low for falling apart you know we've seen this with championship level talented teams before but i still think based on talent and everything else the warriors are the you know they're the favorites even if they're not getting along as much as they did in the early championships you know especially the first one you know i my position has been for a long time that if they don't win the championship he's gone for sure maybe if there were just like some massive injury issues or something and that's why they didn't win but if they just get beaten fair and square it's hard for me to see him coming back but i felt like if they did win the championship that he would return it's just so unprecedented for someone to leave somewhere where they just won three straight championships and well many have said hey you know what this winning is not the panacea for kd's life the way he thought it would be that winning can even kind of get boring and people want other challenges you know we'll see how much you want those other challenges when you actually get to that situation and realize how good you had it but i still think if they win there's a good chance that he's going to stay however a lot of people are taking the attack that you are which is ah you know they'll be able to coexist for this year it'll be fine is it gonna be fine are they really and when you consider the ways in which someone like draymond not passing the ball to kd or the kd staff dynamic of who's going to be the guy who's going to be the focus of the offense down the stretch for example now the egalitarian system with kerr certainly helps that the fact that clay thompson is a totally selfless guy offensively really helps that but i don't know i mean it's i think it's going to be difficult to some degree to just hate each other and especially because you know they're so focused on communication they're really it's really important for them to play hard 
defensively when they go to some of these small lineups i'm not saying that it's impossible that they can coexist and win another championship and i guess i would still make them the favorites although i've maintained for a while that you know i i would favor the field over them and of course there are always the, the possibility of injuries too but I, i'm not sure really yet that uh this is not going to affect the team on the floor this year and, and then i also think that how they end this year has an underrated impact on what ends up happening after this year I actually think that it's more likely, should there be a future blow up, and presumably that would come from Green's end, that it would actually be a defensive thing because KD is noticeably lax and inconsistent on defense in the regular season. And Draymond gets, sometimes gets mad about that. You know, as much as there are, there are times when he's not as engaged, like we talked about last year, the wondering of whether he was conserving or whether he was just took a step back. The answer was he was conserving, but he still gets bothered when guys don't do things right. I mean, I think he's more okay with it when it's a young guy like Damian. And Jones, and so they could do some teachable stuff. But when a guy's just like taking possessions off, and Katie does that from time to time, and so that's something worth watching as well. Is that really when the way that this stays stable is neither Draymond Green nor Kevin Durant getting mad about something and getting mad enough about it to express that, particularly to the other guy? That's not a great bet to make because those guys do that all the time. And something Ben Golliver brought up, we recorded on this for Real GM, which will be out at some point soon. And something he talked about was the idea that Durant was, because he was at that game, he was residually frustrated because of the officiating. And that's the way all this works. We're human beings. And that next, you know, thing can be mostly not about that frustration. It's just that it, it all boils together. It all blends together. That's just the way human beings work with stress. And so, yeah, it could be something like that. And it could, I don't think it's necessarily going to tear the team apart, but any any fissures are more than they've really dealt with so far, at least publicly. Now, David West had those cryptic comments about last year. I wonder if this gives any color to that, but I think the the biggest benefit, I mean, this is another huge one of the Rockets not quite being the Rockets this year, even though they've looked better over the last couple of games, is that they don't have, at least in the Western Conference, that kind of a threat. Now, the NBA Finals could be a different story, but in the West, I think even if, you know, Durant checks out a little bit, they're still fine, probably. Yeah, and these are competitive guys, too. I mean, I think regardless of whether he ends up leaving, he's here. He might you might as well get another championship. I mean, these guys have played hard and played competitively for their whole lives that's how they got to this point now ethan has raised uh, some interesting ideas that perhaps the underlying reason for this frustration that green has with kd is there's a little either or nature to this right Uh, green in theory took less i think he just kind of got out negotiated frankly uh when he was a restricted free agent in the summer of 2015 should have gotten a no-brainer max contract on a four plus one he did not uh you know so now because he had to sign for five years he's becoming a free agent at age 30 uh, rather than this upcoming summer that's going to be huge for his market value uh i think he has a little fear and a little insecurity that maybe he's not ever really going to get paid at the crazy level that some guy in this generation with the new cap spike did he was unlucky to have his restricted free agency happen in the the year before the cap spike and that he may he may not believe this but i believe that he's going to be too old to really get a mega deal in the summer of 2020 when he's a free agent he's already the nagging injuries are popping up you know his body doesn't look as good this year his offense really i think has been the biggest thing that's taken a step back you know he can't really finish around the rim very well for whatever reason he can't shoot threes anymore and so you know the warriors offered him this extension but it was only three years 72 million i think it is a very interesting question of whether he ends up getting 70 million dollars 
dollars guaranteed by the time he actually becomes a free agent uh, we'll see how he's playing at that point and there's also the trade-off of maybe a team that's willing to give him more money than that is a very different situation yeah. and one where he's not competing for a championship for the rest of his career and so yeah. if he, and you also know, you get players can choose whatever they want you get the security of the extension so i mean you know basically getting an ex- 72 million in an extension now is probably you know at least worth getting over 80 then because you've now navigated those two years so yeah, I mean, if we're talking about 72 million guaranteed right now, or you you have an 80% chance of getting 85 million then, uh, you know, and certainly green at this very point to play for a contender is worth far more than that. And I've, I've been higher on green's value than just about anybody, I think, you know, going back to even before he was in the starting lineup for this team, but just given his stature and his age and the fact he doesn't take the greatest care of his body and his lack of shooting, you know, you have to wonder about that. And so certainly then you you have to think well if kd gets the full max i mean you would think if he stays here it's going to be the full five-year max right at age he'll be about to turn 31 uh that he would want to get that and so now you've got kd basically making over 40 million dollars over the course of that contract you got steph making over 40 million clay thompson who knows what he comes back for but it's going to be a very substantial amount and so there's not going to be enough money left in theory i mean like they could pay him but the lake just aren't going to do that uh and and peter gruber and the, the ownership group they're not going to do that they're not going to pay three or four guys they're not going to pay four guys over 30 million dollars a year and then have to fill out a roster and pay this astronomical luxury tax and you know that would be a terrible contract too for green you know i mean that's that's part of it as well so yeah i mean i think all of that is playing into this tension here and so we'll find out maybe this is all totally overblown you know what i mean i think on the level of hysteria you know, are you at like a one to ten a, a one on a one to ten scale you know where are you in terms of the hysteria if you know 10 is the most hysterical thing you've read in the media and one is uh, this doesn't matter at all probably like a four yeah i mean it it could matter there's a distinct chance that it will but i think they're talented enough to overcome it and it is certainly a marking about where the future of this franchise is and something that i find a little bit funny about this is there's an argument to be made that both durant and green have something in common that they've kind of been quote-unquote underpaid now green has it because of the timing is free agency but durant had this weird thing where he you know took the one-year deal then he had the cap spike and then he ended up taking less and then because he took less in 2017 he he had to take less in 2018 to get that he got his you know big deal as you know the rookie extension before the cap exploded and all this stuff so theoretically those guys could actually sympathize on this point though it doesn't seem like they do and this it gets into one other thing i want to mention briefly which is that whether you want to talk about the answers in media access yesterday from Myers, from Kerr, from Durant to a point. It was a lot of non-answers, a lot of diplomatic type stuff. We're going to keep this in-house. And that's always the type of answer that you're going to get. But one of the pieces of Marcus Thompson's work is that the players are a little bit frustrated by the way that Durant has been so kind of open about free agency and all that process and that he hasn't tamped down those elements. And while I understand where Durant is coming from, I can understand just from a human level why players would be like hey that's a little bit you know that's a little bit weird we're not doing that yeah it's a little bit different situation than in okc too because they hadn't won a championship everyone other than maybe russ didn't have the same stature that he did and there was a feeling of like hey you know like we just totally have to cater to you whereas Steph, 
even someone like Iguodala, Draymond, obviously, not to say that Steph hasn't been the peacemaker. I mean, I think ever, everyone is pretty much acknowledged in this reporting that he has tried his best to smooth things over. He even went to Draymond's house to like get his side of things and stuff. Uh, you know, Steph, by all accounts, actually is the one guy who just only cares about winning uh, in this situation, even though I think that's still not entirely true. He'd like to still, you know, maximize his talent as a basketball player and win as well. But more so basically than any other superstar, I think it, that's how he feels. Um, well, the good news is they'll uh, be adding DeMarcus Cousins uh, to this mix <laughs> at some point. I think that should, uh, to, but I, I was reminded of that when I saw DeMarcus kind of like pulling Draymond away as they were separating uh, after the uh, the break between regulation and overtime. Oh, I should also mention, since we're talking about KD and all this stuff, I have a piece for The Athletic that is out about, this was actually written before all this happened. It was just, it felt like an appropriate time to put it out, about the logistics theoretically should come to choose to go elsewhere next July of really what the options are. And the reason I wrote that piece early in the year is because people have already started asking me. And so if you like about the mid-level exception, whether they would have cap space, all that kind of stuff. So if you're wondering about that, you can check it out at The Athletic. Theathletic.com slash cap space. Easy to remember because Danny writes about cap space all the time in his article. Uh, I mentioned DeMarcus. I think it's interesting that, you know, there's no word of when he's going to come back. He's looked pretty gimpy in some of these controlled scrimmages that he's doing. And so you might say, hey, you know what? Like they're just being cautious with him, right? But he is well past the point here where a lot of the other guys have come back already from these Achilles tears, right? Wes Matthews, Kobe Bryant rudy gay like those guys were basically ready to start the season you know kobe had his in april and he i think missed like the first six games and then he in- immediately had that knee fracture and missed all of that game uh or, or all the rest of that uh 13 14 season but you know west matthews tore his in like february he was back for the start of the year rudy gay was as well and you know maybe it, demarcus is a big guy so it's a it's a little different for him but this isn't like oh yeah like he's scrimmaging like he's totally ready to go and they're just like ah you know we're playing well let's just be cautious and hold you out another month or two like he genuinely like isn't ready yet you know it's this is not like oh we're taking it slow with him it's he's not ready you know so in and so it's clear to me that his recovery is going much more slowly I mean, even when you know he signed with the Warriors and it was like oh no he's definitely not going to be ready to start the season like that's longer than these normally take so that's not a great sign that his recovery is taking longer than you know some of the other guys whether that's just his body type or naturally how he heals or the way that he's working at it or he has a setback who knows uh but i'm not encouraged by the fact that he's only at this point right now where he's kind of just jogging up and down the floor and you know doesn't look like he's even like running normally yet yeah, I mean, it does seem like it's going to be on the, the long end of the time frame. And it is true that the Warriors don't need him as urgently as other teams, but they still want to have him integrated and figure out what Cousins' ideal role is long before the playoffs, because that he's a very different piece than anybody they've ever had on the interior. And then the other piece of Warriors injury news that we should definitely cover is the revised timetable for Stephen Curry. He is now going to be reevaluated, and that's an important word here, in 10 days. And so 10 days from now is mid five games houston dallas san antonio the texas triangle trip plus oklahoma city and portland technically speaking he could like that 10 days would maybe open up sacramento but i wouldn't think so because it's another reevaluation at that point it's not he'll be back in 10 days it's we'll see where 
where he is then. So then at that point, it's Sack Orlando. And then the big hope, for, I think, for all of us who are big basketball fans is that he can be back for the Thursday, November 29th game in Toronto against the Raptors. Yeah, and obviously he'll be on like a minutes limit and stuff. It's it's so depressing of just like how many injuries Steph has had over the last couple of years or so. It's just like you were always just waiting for him to come back. Uh, and him, him being out right now, he's going on this trip anyway to chaperone. Uh, but this is going to be a tough trip for them. They got some tough games coming up. Thunder, you know, you assume Westbrook will be back uh, for that. The, the Warriors trying to score against the Thunder without Steph, you know, that's always going to be difficult. The Blazers uh, have been playing pretty well. So I am, you know, we talk about winning being a panacea. And maybe if, you know, they go through and win all these games without Steph, that kind of brings everyone together. But if they struggle, you know, that's going to be more fuel for the fire potentially here. Uh, all right. We want to talk about tonight's games, the uh, Sixers and Wolves integrating their new personnel from that blockbuster Butler trade. But first, I want to tell you about Burrow. I wish my cats were here to tell you about Burrow, but unfortunately it's not in this room. And uh, three, my, my older cat loves laying on there in the sun, as do I. It's my favorite couch to curl up a, and read a book on. And as it's starting to get colder, you know, we haven't really been able to go outside with the air quality in the Bay Area. Burrowing into my Burrow couch gets to be a more and more attractive option with football, the NHL, NBA in full swing. You might as well make sure that your time on the coach, on the couch, is time well spent with a sofa from Burrow. They are actually handmade in North Carolina, sturdy, sustainably sourced hardwood, scratch-resistant fabric. I can attest to that as well because the cats uh, play around on there plenty. And they have a built-in USB charger. If your phone is about to die, you don't have to end your binge watching. I really like their proprietary foam. You don't sink in too much. It's supportive, but you're not going to slide off of there. They're ergonomically designed to be exactly the most comfortable distance, 17 inches off the ground. And really the best part is how easy it is to customize your bro sofa online. You can enjoy fast and free shipping and select your color. They're modular as well. And it really only took me about five minutes to put it together once it arrived you can even get a two cushion sofa and then expand it out with another cushion later on if you move into a new place or uh, maybe someone moves into your house so get your living room ready for fall save 10 percent off the entire site now until black friday by visiting burrow.com slash catspace that's b-u-r-r-o-w.com slash catspace to get 10 percent off the entire site now until black friday Thanks again to Burrow for supporting the show and let them know with that slash cap space URL that you came from us. So let's talk first about the more interesting fit here from this trade. I think that's Jimmy Butler in Philly. The early returns, not amazing. Obviously, he was just being integrated. The Magic beat the Sixers 111-106. It looked like Philly was just going to run away with this game after outscoring Orlando 35-23 in the third. They led it 92-76 early in the fourth quarter. And then the Magic roared back a 20-0 run. Nikola Vucevic was awesome. 30 points, 10-19 from the field. He was plus 21 in this game. His backup Mobamba, negative 16 in nine minutes. And Joel Embiid, after a really hot first quarter, finished six out of 20. 20, only made two two-point field goals and only got to the foul line for four uh, as well so he clearly wasn't quite playing his normal game and so it was a really nice win for the magic we can talk about it from their perspective but just in general what did you see from philly what are the early thoughts uh, on how butler is going to fit in with this group 
this is going to be a big adjustment for Ben Simmons. And I mean, there were times where it just didn't seem like he really knew what he was, where he was supposed to be, what he was supposed to do out there, because there, there was this awkwardness with Markel Fultz, but it was clear that it was Ben Simmons as one and Markel Fultz as two or three or wherever you want to go. Jimmy Butler is a very different animal. You know, he has accomplished a lot in his career. He had a large role in Minnesota's offense and Minnesota had a very good offense last year, despite sometimes our various issues and expectations and all that kind of stuff. So Jimmy Butler brings a different set of challenges and the geometry of the floor is going to be an adjustment. It was funny for most of the game. I thought Wilson Chandler was a huge negative and then he ended up being big in their late late push to get back into it. They ended up losing, but he was big in that. And they do need to figure out a lot of the pieces around those three because I think, you know, Redick is clearly one. Shamit should be one as well, but then working beyond that to try to ease this transition. But it, it seemed to me like Simmons was the guy having the most trouble with it. Clearly. Three of five, negative 12, only nine points, and six assists. And he just wasn't touching the ball that much. I mean, I, that data is not available yet, but I would imagine that his touches were just way lower. And we talked about this after the trade. When he, when Jimmy Butler is doing something, when any other sort of play without Simmons having the ball in his hands is happening, there's nowhere for him to stand. He's got to stand in the dunk spot he's not quite you know just like a dominating finisher around the rim you know like a clint capella or something who's gonna just like go in and crush alley oops uh, when the pick and roll happens away from him and now i'll give them the benefit of the doubt here they had probably one practice and you know butler kind of had didn't know what all the plays were and it was you know you're not gonna be able to run anything that's that complex and brett brown you know he prides himself on moving the ball from side to side you know getting everybody involved getting a lot of touches making a ton of passes per game and but the structural difficulties are just so large i mean and i just i don't remember more than maybe five plays that ben simmons initiated you know they had, ran like a couple of post-ups for him uh he tried to back in on, on another post-up at one point they had this play late where he got to the foul line it was actually going to be an awesome play uh but he ended up getting fouled by aaron gordon when they ran that play they always like to run at the end of games where jj reddick sets a screen for him at the free throw line off the dribble and then sprints out to the three-point line and Simmons kind of got caught uh, picking up his dribble and Reddick wasn't open. So he threw it to himself off the backboard and Gordon fouled him before uh, he could get the dunk, although he threw it a little high off the backboard. Um, but it just, I mean, I'm already, it's crazy to think this. I'm already starting to think of like, okay, who can they trade him for? <laughs> like and now does it will it look better if they can get one more guy who can really shoot and play off the ball yeah i think so i mean they are they are closing the game with muscala it looked really bad with him out there he got attacked defensively part of that is because chandler coming back from that hamstring is still on a minutes limit um chandler played well but i'm not sure that he's the answer so you know and they really only kind of have these four guys and it's then you know who are you gonna swing in around them you know is it gonna be shamat Fultz, cork maz i mean like you know chandler those are not amazing names for your fifth guy and a championship contender so yeah i mean we knew this would be a work in progress uh, for these guys but you know it's just it's going to be tough for ben simmons and i'm not sure ultimately if you're going to have jimmy butler doing much creation the other thing i thought was interesting is that butler just basically wasn't even thinking about shooting a three-pointer right he was 0 for 1 he wasn't spotting up at all you know they weren't really whether it was Embiid trying to post up or whatever like he he was spending very little time just hanging out at the three-point line and 
he's gonna have to do some of that somebody is gonna have to do that on this team because ben simmons is gonna be inside the arc at all times there's some as you said some real challenges of figuring out how this team's going to work and yeah i mean muscala offensively you know just providing a little bit more space was there but i mean he was a big limitation defensively a source of attack and a great example of that was the definitive closing shot of this game when terrence ross basically got a vooch screen and was kind of dancing around the switch and muscala couldn't get up enough and that's how he created enough space to get the to get the three off the dribble without really having hand in his face yeah i mean it was a difficult shot to be sure but yeah i mean it was i mean the sixers were switching everything down the end too which with muscala on the floor i thought it was an interesting approach and and with you know butler ben simmons those are pretty good one-on-one defenders i mean they also had reddick but it's not like the magic have like this dominating pick and roll attack i mean i think i guess the reason for that was they were just worried about vooch in pick and pop and you know he's once again caused caused problems for the magic you know these shooting centers or i'm sorry for the sixers shooting centers caused problems from beat and then you know philly with their lack of a pick and roll attack weren't able to put vooch into difficulty the way every other team is able to down the stretch basically um so and we'll see if that pick and roll attack develops but and that would have to be butler and it's obviously difficult to do that with simmons now you could say hey we'll make even if we play it two on two you know we can get some long twos for jimmy butler at the end of games like at least we now have someone who's capable of creating those shots a long two off the dribble which they didn't have before but yeah i mean the other thing i thought was interesting again this is game number one here but they didn't really stagger butler and simmons certainly in the first half they did not and i think they need to stagger the shit out of those guys like absolutely as much as possible and so you know Bron kind of has the way that he's been doing things where Embiid comes back in you know he plays in three stints and he's really you know the lone starter out there uh end of the first beginning of the second and same time again in the second half you know maybe that's gonna have to be changed around i mean i think Embiid can play just fine with either of those guys but butler and simmons together you know it doesn't really work as well i think if you do with Embiid whatever is best for his body he is important and as you said i think he works well enough with both guys and then yeah it's i've referred to this before as a stagger plus which is that you would ideally stagger the guys but they're too good to just play that many minutes so you separate them as much as possible with them it'd probably be you start the game and finish the game with butler simmons and maybe each half i guess start and finish each half with those guys and then the rest of it is separated that'll take some time to figure out but i agree with you that that's the way that they should do it and this is one unlike some other ones and i i will at some point but when curry gets back probably i have a piece talking about this theory with curry and durant and the there are a couple different ideas of why and for this reason i would stagger them because their games are incongruous it, they don't really add as much to each other as they take away so s- separate them out and incidentally it's the same problem with with simmons and fultz and they'll have to resolve that issue i think this gives even more heat to that concept of needing to move Fultz because if Simmons and Butler need to be separated I don't think Fultz works with either one of those guys particularly well and he you know he did play 21 minutes had a couple of shots in this one made a made a kind of a a weird fadeaway in the lane which was kind of interesting but I want to transition a little bit to talk about some of the things that the Magic did well in this game unless you have something more pressing on the six well I I did have a couple other things though I wanted to note and they did not really get out in transition you know this is a Steve Clifford team they pride themselves on getting back only had seven fast break points that's really you know because ben simmons is a prideful guy i mean he's going to want to get his numbers he's going to want to get a max contract eventually he's extension eligible this summer and you know the number one way that they can do that is to get out and transition and you know they weren't able to do that necessarily in this game they did not have a lot of alacrity and butler butler has never been the greatest transition guy you know he kind of wants to just you know he doesn't push the ball really himself off the dribble and you know he kind of wants to go get the ball you know he's not really going to just run the lanes and fly in from the wing 
hitting and finish you know so that's something that i think he's going to really need to add to his game if he's going to play with simmons um and certainly you know philly's offense was fine in this game they had a 109 offensive rating but part of that was 14 out of 29 from three which obviously is not going to happen all the time um but yeah you wanted to talk about what we saw from orlando i got a few other philly notes but nothing like too major here so you mentioned the big night from from vooch 30 and 8 and 10 and 19 from the field three of six from three and his comfort and kind of the different areas of scoring can be a challenge for various defensive lineups and i you know there were there were times when he did really well against Embiid, but also he can beast on anybody who's like worse than joel Embiid, backup centers all that kind of stuff you know i i didn't like a lot of the limited time that amir was out there wesa wundu is you know it, it's bizarre he so he his jump shot still doesn't look clean to me like it's just a little bit a little bit wonky but it is going in and he's a little bit more comfortable taking it than i had expected worth noting he is four of 11 on threes on the season but he has also taken five of those 11 in the last three games when he's been playing more as they've been kind of dealing with some issues now thankfully jonathan isaac is back but he's still playing you know meaningful minutes so a shooting is a little is something to kind of keep an eye on because if he can be any better at that it would be a big help and then my favorite play of this game other than ben simmons trying to throw the ball off the backboard to himself was what terrence ross said after the game was the emotional shift in this one as they were in i think it was deep in the kind of comeback the 20-0 run joel Embiid was rolling to the basket and john isaac first step was he went in there to try to get you know to try to just get in joel Embiid's way he jumps up and actually affects the dunk attempt yeah he actually got a got a piece of it so Embiid just sprited it off uh, the front of the rim uh and then they came down and, and hit a big three i think that was actually what gave them uh, the lead uh, and so isaac this is his first game back uh, from injury with the that right ankle sprain you know he didn't look incredibly spry but it, he had a couple of moments he had that block he had a nice crossover on him to create some separation although he missed uh, the resulting jumper um yeah, I mean, I couldn't take a ton away from this for the Magic, other than just that I think they match up pretty well with Philly. I mean, you remember that Philly barely beat them uh, in in Philly. And again, you know, I think a lot of that just has to do with Philly not being able to take advantage of Vucevic and Vucevic causing problems for them uh, on the other end. Um, I, I liked from Aaron Gordon, you know, I, I've seen him do pretty well defensively as a rim protector. I think he's getting more instincts for that. You know, three or four times a game, you'll really see him come in, make a really hard rotation and and cause somebody to miss their layup around the rim. Uh, he did that nicely with Simmons uh, on one play. Uh, but, you know, I mean, you notice it because he's so explosive. And so, you know, I didn't recall seeing as many of those plays from him in previous years. Uh, I think that Terren, Terrence Ross is just such a wild card for this team. You know, if when he gets 15 points on nine shots like he did today they can actually look pretty decent and and ross at least can get his shot off so if he's hitting they just look so much better offensively you know he's really one of the few shot creators that they have on this team and, and vooch obviously is kind of the other one uh their point guard continues to be a sinkhole obviously i mean they they those two guys, Augustin and Grant, combined uh, one for nine. Although Augustin did draw a key offensive foul, a good call on Redick late when Redick was trying to go set a screen for Joel Embiid, and he just kind of shoved Augustin out of the way. He was actually trying to shove Augustin into position to basically like create a two-man screen for Joel Embiid as he tried to dribble to the basket, and so Augustin did a great job of falling down and, and drawing what was a, a proper foul call. Uh, anything else stick out to you in the match? I, I thought Mobamba obviously had a struggle tonight yeah it, it wasn't his best game and he did have one jump shot that it looked really smooth to me and something nice but we'll we'll see where the rest of his game goes but yeah it, it wasn't the best night for him um yeah i mean the post up 
reps just have got to go for him i mean he just it's one of these things where he's like oh he's a rookie center that we drafted pretty high we should probably throw him the ball in the post uh no you should because it's going to end up in a contested jump hook from 12 feet away he's not strong enough to back down he doesn't really have uh, any kind of moves or footwork you know so against any other like unless he's just posting up like right under the basket against a much smaller player just don't throw it to him in the post there and i mean i think he really needs to just stop trying to do that you know and just you know and space out a little bit more and set some more pick and pops i mean his jumper has looked pretty good so far he can get a few offensive rebounds and finish around the rim like for alley but if he's not rolling hard to the rim i think he needs to just be you know spotting up more um you know, there's always a danger in a young having a young big just specialize in that too early you know the coaches really want to toughen these guys up early in their careers and there's something to be said for that certainly but you know as far as being effective uh, you know i think that's where he needs to be and then uh i thought defensively especially a, a fair amount of the time he was in he was guarding amir johnson and he just wasn't aggressive enough helping i mean there was one play where butler and johnson ran a pick and roll and bomba just kind of stood there as butler just went in for a dunk and amir johnson was standing at the free throw line and that in bomba's mind had like enough gravity that he just needed to be you know couldn't go help on butler getting to the rim on a dunk when it was his man who set the pick and roll to begin with like and they were kind of in an ice coverage so you're supposed to be there hanging back like they forced him away from the screen like you got to get back there uh and actually affect that shot so I, I think he you know he didn't really come close to blocking a shot or doing much you know the negative 16 wasn't all his fault uh and he had to match up against Embiid too which is always going to be a struggle for him um any other notes you had here or, or i had a couple more on the sixers oh you can go ahead that's that i think you've covered some of the other stuff i want to bring up like that bomba amir johnson pick and roll was something i had in there as well yeah yeah i, I guess for the magic too uh it wouldn't do has been starting with isaac out you imagine isaac will return to the starting lineup although they're obviously pretty mismatched with he and gordon at the fords you know that's not a lot of shooting um it wouldn't do actually hit a couple of long jumpers in this game i mean 11 points that might be like close to his career high i i bet you but uh it looked a little hitchy but he at least shot a couple with no hesitation uh so that was good i mean i still don't think he's like a starting caliber player i don't know if he's even a rotation player uh but at least for this game he he was solid enough it's a little odd that they start him instead of just starting terrence ross and playing him more you know because ross is just so much better and they struggle to score like there's this whole oh you got to keep the rotation the same bring him off the bench blah blah but like he's yeah, just way and better. it would help aaron gordon a lot too because yeah. there would just be fewer guys around and i mean if you had that would be a pretty especially considering their their point guard play is limited i mean i think that gives them the best chance if they're going to keep playing vooch and they're going to keep playing vooch yeah i mean i don't think i think a is probably better defensively than ross is but he's just so much better offensively and, and it wouldn't do what's not getting guarded uh, at all um for philly jj reddick just had an awesome game he had 22 points to lead the team 8 of 13 4 of 7 from 3 also had 6 assists uh he had two spectacular plays where because you know he likes to come off that pin down it's always on the left side because he wants to be going to his right as he takes that jump shot and so if the guy's trailing you know the fundamentals are if the guy's trailing then you curl around the screen so now you're you've got a path into the lane with the guy behind you uh and so he made two awesome plays getting to the lane one he just did this awesome pass fake that drew an ooh from the crowd uh and then totally faked out the big and went in for a finger roll uh and then 
the other time he took a dribble you know coming in from the left elbow did like the yo-yo dribble like fake pass to the guy rolling after he comes down the pin down and faked everyone out again it went in probably up it was pretty badass uh and also he does something which i don't i think there are very few players in the league that can do this where if he's dribbling up he can actually get into his three-pointer going full speed like he barely even needs to slow down and he'll even shoot it you know still jumping forward like he'll land way in front of the line you know take off behind the line but he's got a lot of forward momentum which you know like we were talking about with Doncic and the floaters the other day I mean to shoot a three-pointer when you've got that much forward momentum is so difficult and like he actually still looks great on that shot um it, yeah remarkable. he had a big one I think it was in the fourth quarter to tie it yeah, or something that like that one. and I was just sitting there going like how did you get this off it, it was it was a really impressive shot and he can pull that off better than anyway I, and I think about what Shamit can learn from him it was it was good to see Redick do much more with the ball in his hands and remember that was a big question mark criticism with him in his early career including when he was a member of the early magic yeah it's really remarkable i mean he's had one of the great late careers i mean to just think of the fact that he was drafted in 06 basically didn't even play until 2010 and you know he came out of school as like a 22 year old he was old i mean he basically didn't even start playing until he was 26 and you know to be having maybe his two best seasons we'll see where he ends up this year but last year probably i think was his best season uh you know at age 33 is remarkable uh i thought Fultz actually was fine in this one i mean you you talked about him a a little bit He, he had a couple of nice assists he, there was one where reddick flared into the corner and fultz read it perfectly and threw it over the defense looped it over to reddick perfectly on target for a wide open corner three um he really has been trying to hit the offensive glass the magic are not a huge transition team so that worked fine i mean there's plenty of times where they're that's going to kind of bring him out to drive but you know fultz spends a lot of time trying to cut along the baseline same as simmons does um they did try to go to you know a smaller lineup again whether you want to say simmons or wilson chandler was the center when Fultz was on the floor to again just kind of get more spacing uh to accommodate Fultz and Simmons playing together just because they had more spacing around those two guys with no traditional pigment they didn't stick with that alignment for that long it wasn't I didn't really it didn't stick out to me as particularly effective or not and I thought Korkmaz who's had it was averaged 14 over his last two games coming into this one he had eight points in 15 minutes he'll generate shots like he'll get in the lane get some floaters you know I didn't see any massive screw-ups for him defensively he was plus five uh he was two of two from three had some nice real quick release plays without a dip uh for both of his three pointers so you know at least for these last three games it's kind of looking like hey you know you declined his rookie option like yeah you know, maybe that wasn't the the greatest uh, idea he's looking like he can play a little bit uh in these last couple of games yeah and maybe the decline option amount would be enough to resign him but he also might not want to go back there unless they give him reliable minutes and promise they will moving forward and we'll have to see on that yeah so philly drops to nine and seven two and seven on the road and and you know it's really looking less and less likely that they're going to have a chance to get into the top three in the east although milwaukee did lose today all right let's do a quick read and then we'll talk about the minnesota new orleans game which was also a, a really enjoyable one finding a dress shirt that fits is nearly impossible for me if the sleeves are long enough the torso is always way too big in fact a lot of times the sleeves aren't even long enough it's just that like three inches of the torso is like part of the sleeve for me and that's how it actually will get the cuff to fall where it's supposed to on the wrist but now my angst is no longer necessary because at propercloth.com you can create a custom shirt size in seconds by answering 10 simple questions and you can get way more customization than you can as you're 
perusing rack after rack at the store you can get 20 collar styles 10 cuff styles 500 fabric styles from classic to business to casual to business casual you can customize your shirt and get the style that you want they work with only the best fabric producers and they only buy fabrics that meet their high quality expectations and all the shirts are going to go through extensive quality control testing so you're getting the best quality and craftsmanship they guarantee a perfect fit meaning if you somehow don't get a shirt that fits they will remake it for free these start at just 80 dollars, an awesome deal so you don't have to wear shirts that don't fit anymore start looking your best with a custom fitted shirt at propercloth.com slash cap space easy to remember slash cap space we talk about all the time in the program and then and then you can get double cap space because you're going to enter the gift code cap space to save 20 dollars on your first shirt so once again, propercloth.com slash capspace, and then enter that capspace code. Let them know that you came from us. You want to just do like our little like quick hitter around the league with some of our random observations uh, on a few of the other games before we get into this uh, Minnesota-New Orleans game? Yeah, we can do that. I mean, I didn't watch any of it, but I feel like the one to start on just because of the score is Dallas 118, Utah 68. Oof, yeah. I mean... Least points ever <laughs> given up in Mavs history. Utah scored 22... or. or in a half actually utah scored 22 in the second half it was the lowest scoring game by any team this season by 12 points the previous had been houston's 80 points at okc six days ago uh so yeah that's pretty rough we thought utah might be turning the corner and this is a dallas defense that was not particularly impressive so far this season in fact tim mcmahon reported that deandre jordan has been a disappointment there is lack of defensive activity some of his selfish play as evidenced by that ridiculous rebound tip away from luka Doncic, which you know and i've been getting on him for that rebound selfishness crap for years uh you know hasn't sat very well uh but mcmahon noting that basically i forget the exact numbers but the mavs defensive rating just based on this one game went from like 22nd to 9th and the jazz offense went from like 10th to 20th just based on this one game yeah i mean even on cleaning the glass which filters out garbage time the jazz are now down to 21st in net rating and the other really funny part is dallas by virtue of winning this game so severely they're now 29th in terms of underperforming their point differential because they're only six and eight despite having a positive point differential which is hilarious because that's what happened last year yeah 50 for a different reason 50 point win for dallas in milwaukee memphis beating milwaukee on the dreaded first game back from the road trip we saw toronto lose that game as well to new orleans uh 116 113 milwaukee got killed by marcus ol as we have seen them get killed by other pick and pop centers at al horford most recently gasol nasty game 29 points 6 of 12 from three and the Bucks were really out of it and then went on a 27 to 5 run they trailed 82 69 and then actually led by eight points at one point and that run was led by one thon maker at center really getting his first minutes of the season at center i think you know bud finally realized hey you know what we're just getting killed here and we got to go with some more energy a different defensive approach they had thon doing some switching they had him getting out on the floor aggressively defending the pick and roll and they totally shut down the grizzlies during that period and then they actually took Thon out with five minutes left in the game, never brought him back in, and uh, got outscored the rest of the time. But I do think at least the fact that this worked, that Thon got some time, that he looked okay, uh, you know, it's going to be something to monitor going forward. We'll probably actually watch that stretch for the 15 and 16 and see how much, because, you know, we didn't watch much of this game, obviously. It was just, you know, more, we're reporting it for you. Actually, let us know, too, on, on Twitter, or uh, if you find these useful when, you know, maybe we didn't watch the game, but, you know, we're still relaying some information and observations anywhere. If you feel like, hey, you know 
if you didn't watch it like don't bother telling us this shit which i i would totally understand uh if you want like a little more of a level of detail there one i did watch uh, a fair portion of because it was the last game of the night the lakers I thought they were looking a little bit listless and flat from for the beginning section of this game. Portland was looking crisp. I mean, going to this game, Portland was 10-3 and three on the year. And then LeBron James in particular just really turned it on. I thought the third quarter, Portland just didn't really have much to do. We talked on yesterday's show about Mo Harkless is on the way back. Mo Harkless wasn't back yet for this game, and I thought they did really miss him just because they have so few guys. Stauskas tried to dunk on LeBron at one point, and nobody could really get much in his way. 44 points, 13 of 19 for the field, 13 of 15 from the line one assist away from a good game and he also <laughs> passed wilt chamberlain for fifth all-time in scoring which i think is a is a cool mark and you know he'll pass michael jordan assuming he stays healthy soon enough and all that and you know i i'm not as big on career milestones like that because it can be accumulation but it is still i mean passing wilt chamberlain and in something involving scoring is significant absolutely yeah and this is the first real monster lebron game that we've seen you know i, I think that's you know we haven't seen this level from him yet and so just you know when a new year starts you're always like all right maybe as the guy lost a little bit uh so it's good to see him again have this type of a dominating performance and as you mentioned the blazers had absolutely no one to match up with him uh dame lillard had been questionable for this one with a knee injury he was able to play ended up only eight out of 23 although he ended up having a, a solid statistical line because he got to the foul line for 13 attempts uh but the blazers just could not stop the lakers and uh the lakers put up 26 fast break points as well detroit a huge win in toronto Dwayne casey's return he was had a nice tribute shown on the video board for him and then he proceeded to draw up actually two awesome plays when the game was tied at, at 104 to get wide open shots the first one uh was a nice little alley-oop you know the fake zipper cut and then the back screen to gr3 they actually put gr3 in and you had to know at that point that like that play was a possibility for him but the raps got totally fooled and it was only a bad pass from jose calderon that prevented uh gr3 from getting a, a game-winning alley-oop dunk instead it gets knocked out of bounds they give it to the pistons and then casey dials up another awesome play that takes advantage of a raptors miscommunication and reggie bullock gets a, a wide open floater in the lane as time expired and the only reason that those were even able to happen, Toronto had the ball after a Blake Griffin miss. They had the ball with 10 seconds to go. And you assume the team has the ball, tie game, 10 seconds to go. They're going to get the last shot. But Kawhi Leonard was isolating, got to the right side of the floor and just bounced the ball off his own foot. And so that gave the Pistons, they advanced the ball on a timeout. And then, of course, they got the, the two opportunities because the ball getting knocked out by Siakam. So it was uh, one thing that I found absolutely fascinating about the end of this game was the choice that Detroit was making to get Blake Griffin the ball that part's not a surprise but then they it seemed like they were choosing to a, to an extent to have Kawhi Leonard as the guy on Blake Griffin Blake beat him for, or got one basket on him didn't get another one I think it was it might have been two for three but I think it was one for two and just the decision there to to not be a little bit more zealous and try to get anybody else on the planet on Blake Griffin was a surprise to me well what they were doing defensively was they're starting with Kawhi at the one on 
Reggie Jackson, and they'd run a Blake Jackson pick and roll, and then Blake would get switched uh, onto Kawhi. It was Ananobi who was guarding Blake Griffin initially uh, on these plays. And, you know, part of it might just be okay to get the pick and roll. You get the switch. That gives you a chance to catch the ball a little bit deeper. You know, Blake was basically catching the ball right at the free throw line and trying to just bully his way to the rim and taking a, a contested two. Blake overall was awesome. He played 40 minutes, 30 points, and 12 rebounds, three of eight from three. He continues to lead the NBA in touches as mark stein has noted on, on a number of occasions but and i thought Kawhi did a pretty good job but i mean he hit one tough floater in the lane that rimmed in uh but yeah i did think that was an interesting strategy you could have maybe gone after lowry they also had langston galloway on the floor uh, who's uh, doing a lot of the defending on lowry and i thought actually the raptors could have done more of the same they did get one shot by Kawhi to tie it up where they ran a double screen the last screener of which was Galloway's man and then Kawhi was able to get in the lane and shoot over him but a lot of time it was Kawhi just going one-on-one against Stanley Johnson and Kawhi overall had a pretty good statistical game but he did have six turnovers including that crucial one late and you know you see why it is that Stanley Johnson keeps getting so many chances from the Pistons because he was causing problems for Kawhi I mean he can he's strong enough he's even you know he's not going to get trucked even by LeBron you know not that he's going to be able to stop LeBron one-on-one but he actually is able to get into guys and be strong and not just get run over and force guys into difficult shots in those situations so the hope is that at some point he might be able to hit a shot uh, he actually had 12 points in this game too uh, on two of five from three but it, you see what was uh is so tantalizing about him and so now uh, the raptors actually have lost two straight at home you know not against like unbelievable teams uh they were four out of 20 on three Ibaka didn't play uh cj miles has been in and out of the lineup so they're losing some shooting they also did not close with danny green the closing lineup was Lowry, Kawhi, OG, Siakam, and Valanchunas to match up with Drummond and yeah you know you put those guys out there that's how you you are probably going to shoot uh four out of 20 uh from three and not get up that that many attempts you know i think i probably would have tried to see if i could find a way to get danny green in there but i think they really liked having og guarding blake griffin and siakam has been really good lately but you know you're gonna run into some lack of spacing issues especially with ibaka out and you're going with Valanchunas instead yeah, agreed. And Stanley Johnson's worth mentioning. He's only 22. He'll turn 23 basically right before the offseason when he'll be a restricted free agent. So there's a lot to like there. And I thought his the mechanic, I saw a couple of his threes and they looked better than I had remembered. So I guess that's a step. And yeah, we'll see what, what the Pistons perimeter rotation looks like. And remember, they'll be getting Luke Kennard back at some point. I don't know when, but some point. Yeah, I think he's about two weeks away, according to the, the latest reports. Uh, so Minnesota and New Orleans, the narrative is going to be here. Well, these guys finally got their team back wiggins and towns uh but they played like that in this game particularly down the stretch i mean there's carl towns was getting stops one-on-one against ad after ad lit him up early one-on-one towns was getting stops on him late even with five fouls uh andrew wiggins like got a key rebound he did a hard cut to the basket for an and one uh, in which he also accidentally kicked poor Nikola Miritich below the belt. And then Miritich, uh, as they were trying to trap in a desperate situation late, uh, ended up jumping in the air to try to deflect a pass and then coming down, I think, on Towns' foot and re-spraining uh, that right ankle where he'd missed a couple of games from. So he's is probably going to miss time now. Um, and I thought really, in particular, Covington fit in incredibly well. He's not as good of a player as Jimmy Butler. I don't think that if they have him, they're going to be as good as they were last year when they had Butler and Butler and never else was actually trying but like Covington really really fit in extremely seamlessly with what they're doing so seamlessly uh, that he actually <laughs> ended up playing 
41 minutes in this one. Welcome to the Timberwolves, Robert Covington. This is what you're going to do every night. And Sharich came off the bench. They started Taj Gibson and Covington at the forwards, but but Sharich played 20 minutes. I thought he looked solid out there, you know, more comfortable on the floor. And I, I think his game is not as much of a plug and play situation just because he can do things with the ball in his hands. We've talked about his interior passing before, and I thought he looked comfortable out there. And for me, the other Minnesota Timberwolves who I've enjoyed a lot of this year, and he had a, a nice game as well, was Josh Akogi. Akogi more comfortable in his own skin offensively than I expected. I, he, a guy that we did not watch film on because he was dab far enough down on the on the draft board that we didn't get to see him. And defensively, he just gets into dudes. He's athletic, and I don't know exactly what his best role is, you know, moving forward. But I really like what he's given them right now. Yeah, uh, for the Wolves, I, I agree with you. Three or five from three in this one, and it, it was just uh, getting back to Covington's fit. I mean, he was just taking the same shots he's taken in Philly. He's three seven from three, but you know, he was bombing. He's taking uh deep threes and just he never goes inside the arc offensively like they just needed someone who would do that who would just stand outside the arc i mean now thibs uh, tibbs i guess he he goes by tibbs uh, but it's thibodeau uh isn't exactly dialing up you know the most motion heavy sets in the world but just to let carl Towns go to work with covington standing outside and then they even had taj gibson spacing out to the corners he didn't take any threes but he's been hitting some more corner threes this year they actually looked like a real modern offense or especially in the first quarter running spread pick and roll like getting carl towns like wide open dunks at the rim like it actually it looked like a real normal nba offense and uh, it even got to the point where the Pels started switching just about everything down the end and Davis uh, is a, a great switch defender to be sure so we probably need to make mention at AD's minutes you know I mean he was 40 minutes the other night against the Raptors 41 uh, tonight now if I'm Alvin Gentry in the Pels if I can like win more games and potentially get AD to stay like this is kind of an all-in season so you've got a little bit of a moral hazard in playing all these games him all these minutes just to get him to stay <laughs> you know and you just hope he doesn't get injured um um, so that's a little bit of a concern. And he ended up 9 of 25 from the field, but you know, it still had a pretty good game. He was plus six. Something else we should mention from this game was bizarre at the beginning because neither team was really providing much resistance. It was just bucket yeah. after bucket after bucket. It turned and into a defensive th- game, though, oddly enough. Yeah, it did. Yeah. So it started out, I mean, not only just from the, from the, I mean, you could look at it, oh, 38 28 for Minnesota in the first quarter, but it was just the quality of looks and the, the lack of resistance was pretty striking to me. This was not a repeat for Drew Holiday of him absolutely shutting down Kyle Lowry and then doing a lot of doing great work on the other and not that he was you know awful or anything in this game as Jeff Teague was in the process you know this is I think his first game back but he just wasn't that same force but uh, each one more he played had a, he played on Monday as well oh that's right that's right um and each one more had another nice game yeah more look good he got a little big for his britches and like just like getting hot in the first quarter and he tried to like actually go one-on-one against some switches and uh you know that didn't didn't look amazing uh but yeah I mean totaled 31 points and uh, four of eight from three uh, for him he's really had the floater working in the last couple of games it was really new orleans bench and you can see why some of these minute tolls were so high when like julius randall had just a miserable game he had five turnovers and was one of four from the field with four fouls in 14 minutes i mean usually he's been averaging like 18 points a game and 
playing a lot more minutes but he you know was kind of unplayable and all their bench guys were negative eight or worse and you know no none of them played more than 18 minutes so they really lost this uh during the bench time which is weird to say for a wolves team well it, it helps because the wolves just don't have they don't play as much of a bench though there were times of course that well, we should mention yeah. that randall was matched they, they did get a little bit uh they did get a little bit deeper though with this trade i think they actually mm-hmm. have like tolliver didn't even play like charge played 20 minutes off the bench uh so i mean they actually and oh it, yeah go ahead Something I wanted to ask you: Would you consider playing a Sharich Tolliver frontcourt combination at moments, and not and going to less Jang, just because there aren't many teams that are going to attack you with second unit centers? Incidentally, New Orleans is one of the exceptions to that, but that concept. Well, I, I think what I would do right now is I'd start Sharich and make Taj Gibson the backup center, and just not play Jang at all. Yeah, I'm good with that. That's another way of doing it. Yeah, I mean that'll be interesting to monitor, and, and you know, and then you could get Tolliver some more minutes uh, as well at backup power forward because he's still a good player. I think he helps them um so yeah i mean and and uh you know this wasn't a team in the palace i mean they were playing west johnson late because randall had been bad you'd noted in the 15 and 60 that they played miritich some uh at the three late in games but you know they didn't go in that direction this time with randall playing so poorly so you know you still have to wonder about the pals being a, a little short but alfred payton was close to returning he was not you know we would probably see payton at the one holiday effectively guarding and playing the three uh against a lot of these teams as well and, and you know west johnson wasn't bad in this one uh, by any means uh but you know he's kind of a non-threat uh, at the end of games uh Derek Rose missed this one due to left knee soreness uh which you know is kind of too bad uh I think that's just going to be the case for him for the rest of his career that he's just going to play three three games and maybe even three good games and then have to sit a couple out with some sort of soreness or another um a few other little notes here I really love how New Orleans in transition basically anyone can screen for everyone they've talked a lot about how they're positionless in fact uh arnovitz had a good article about ad and the pels and just you know what this year is going to be like and the potential for him leaving in the summer and you know how happy they are in theory right now but they talk about it being positionless basketball and so like Etwa Moore, if he's not open for a three in transition he'll just go set a screen and then you know roll right to the rim and because it's a semi-transition situation a lot of times he can just be a roll man and get into the lane and score because they're not back yet you know it really uh is a strategy that works extremely well just to have those improvised screens in transition and have small guys cutting right to the rim where you can really take advantage of you know those two small guys who aren't used to guarding a pick and roll conventionally uh, but ultimately i mean the wolves won this on the fast break they outscored uh the pelicans handily in transition um anything else you had on this one it wasn't on this one what was that nice improvised joel and bead flare screen for i think it was Mescal. was that in this game tonight was that in tonight's game or was that a few games Oh, uh, those I just remembered that yeah, one. Yeah, in the, that in was the Orlando. I, I was just thinking about that. We were talking about improvised screens. I was thinking about that one, which I really liked. Yeah, yeah. That was just a, when Butler was uh, trying to attack late in the clock. And yeah, that was a huge three that Muscala hit. It was the only good thing that he did in the last <laughs> in the last four minutes. Um, a couple more on this one. I thought Sharich looked better on D in this game. He was part of frustrating Randall into that that poor night. Um, Wiggins, you know, did show some moments of effort and he was four nine for three. That's one thing he's done better is shooting the three better. But, you know, he was still took 24 shooting possessions to get his 23 points in this one so you know let's not go crazy although he actually had six rebounds three steals he had a block i mean so you know he did seem to be motivated we'll see how long that actually lasts he doesn't seem to be a naturally particularly motivated player uh the key play in the game here the Pels went on a big run took a two-point lead and with about three minutes left Taj Gibson 
get set up by i forget who it was coming down the lane ad forced the pass and then taj tries to go up and ad just swallows him up i mean taj just jumps right into his chest he's got nowhere to go and somehow taj gibson not known for his passing if you're a bulls fan you know that taj gibson once he got the ball down low was never ever going to pass it somehow adjusts in the air and throws a left-handed pass all the way across the court to a wide open andrew wiggins for the key three of the game to put the the wolves up one for a lead that i believe they never relinquished after that i mean it's just a, a crazy play by taj gibson uh it's remarkable what even you know someone like taj who is not known for that just what even a non-playmaker in the nba can be capable of at times yeah that's definitely true i mean and it, it was i was un, less familiar with taj gibson's black holeness because when i saw them I'm like oh that was a nice play i didn't think about how significant it was in that sort but i did appreciate it as a nice pass i'd like to see more especially now that they've got a little more spacing on this team of andrew wiggins in the post that's where he consistently has been the most effective in his career and you know they really just haven't done a ton of that especially since they got butler last year um if he's gonna play without towns in particular i would love to see him get the ball down there and go to work against you know someone like an etuan moore who is guarding him part of the time or you know especially these teams that have smaller guys uh that's where i think wiggins could be most effective and then he's you know you'd like him to space out he's shooting the three better but the, that at least like takes away from his propensity to try to dribble in to long twos you know you want him to be aggressive and overpower guys in the post and i think that that can kind of jump start the rest of his physicality as well there um anything else here or can we wrap things up i think that's about it in terms of this in terms of this game for me yeah i think that's it so we'll be back tomorrow got a lot of news that's piled up that we got to get to oh that's uh, people must be so tillated when we say we're going to talk about news uh but you know it's important we 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 want to be your one-stop audio nba shop so if it's important we we got to tell you about it and uh also thinking maybe we'll do a little uh markel fultz fake trades tomorrow that that'll be interesting i've been wanting to get to that um because it does seem like he's going to have to be moved at some point i spent some time uh, talking to some executives around the league to try to figure out what his trade value might be so i'll tell you guys a little bit more about that tomorrow we'll talk to you all then oh and one more thing too i, w- I want to say we decided we're not going to do the ad free patreon anymore just because not that many people signed up for it so it really unfortunately wasn't really worth it for liam to pay we may add another tier of pricing and see if anyone signs up for that uh, that that could make it worth it but we we just uh, it got us like you know 25 extra subscribers or something so it really wasn't quite worth it uh, unfortunately but i also ask you to respond to my tweets we're going to send out a few of them periodically we're going to do another 15 and 60 mailbag uh, this weekend so if you have we want to get multiple questions for each team pissing fan if we need more questions because uh we got some complaints that we did not talk enough about the pissings we need some good pissings question in particular so uh i'll be on the lookout for all that and now thank you for listening and we'll talk to you all next time